the old pre-meds podcast session number 234. You're a non-traditional student entering the medical field on your terms. You may have had some hiccups along the way, but now you're ready to change course and go back and serve others as a physician. This podcast is here to help answer your questions and help educate you on your non-traditional journey to becoming a physician. Welcome to the old pre-meds podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week where I get to take questions directly from you, directly from the premedforms.com website, the non-traditional pre-med discussion subform more specifically. If you haven't gone to premedforms.com, you're missing out. Go check it out. I also want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Mapped. Now, Mapped.com, M-A-P-P-D.com, is a new technology platform that I have been working on with a partner now for many months, and it's been in my mind for many years. I'm a huge technology nerd, and I've always wanted to bring that love of technology to the pre-med space by making it easier for you to track everything that you're doing and also to get feedback on everything that you are tracking. Now, this isn't just an Excel spreadsheet where you can track everything. If you want to do that, go ahead. But Mapped will be able to give you feedback based on years of experience that I've had, based on years of experience from our VP of Academic Advising, Dr. Scott Wright, the former Director of Admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School, the former Executive Director of TMD SAS, right? He was in charge of the whole application service. This man knows a lot about a lot of the medical school application process. And we're combining all of that knowledge, all of the knowledge I've gained from the years of podcasting and going to conferences and having dinners with and conversations with many deans and directors of admissions, many admissions committee members, all of that knowledge is going in to Mapped. Mapped.com is available for pre-order right now as we're recording this near the end of June 2020. We're hoping for a fall 2020 release. Well, I literally just got access to the platform four days ago, and so we're playing around with it. It's still very bare bones at this point, but we have so much hope for it. Again, go to mapped.com for special pre-order pricing right now. That's mapped.com, M-A-P-P-D.com. Our question today is actually, unfortunately, a very common question that I get, probably once a month or two. A question from a student who started medical school at a Caribbean medical school or any other international medical school. I'm not single singling out Caribbean medical schools, but they are the most common international medical schools for U.S. students to go to. And the question always circulates around, I dropped out of my Caribbean medical school. Is there a chance for me to get into a U.S. school after that? And it's a question I think we've covered here on the podcast before, a long time ago. But I want to talk about it again because we have new data and new information and my thoughts are always changing. So let's jump in to our question today. Our student says, hi, I was a medical student in a Caribbean medical school. I finished the first two years of medical school there, but was not able to take USMLE step one within the designated period due to family and financial circumstances and ended up getting dismissed for that reason. 
Things have settled in my life, and I want to get accepted into a medical school within the U.S. It has been almost a year since I got dismissed. What are my chances of getting admitted into a medical school in the U.S., and what should I do to go down this path? All right, so let's first start by talking about Caribbean medical schools and why specifically, we'll, we'll, we'll focus specifically on this question first, why specifically this student wasn't allowed to continue based on USMLE step one. Now you have to know that the majority, if not all of Caribbean medical schools will force you, and force is kind of a heavy handed term, but let's say what it is. They'll force you to take a pretest, a USMLE step one pretest. Now, this is very common in the US as well, but the US schools typically have a lot more flexibility with when you're taking it and the scores and helping you through this process. Caribbean medical schools, on the other hand, use this as a function to weed out weaker students who maybe shouldn't have been in school in the first place so that they can then turn around and boast about their 94%, whatever, I'm making that number up off the top of my head, 94% USMLE step one pass rate. And they go, look, we have similar pass rates to our US counterparts. And what students don't realize is that very similar to how many pre-health offices work, they say, look, our acceptance rate for students who work with us is 99%. But they don't tell you about the other 30% of students they wouldn't help because they didn't think that those students were going to get into medical school. And probably a large percentage of those students did get into medical school, but they're cooking the books right? They're cooking the books. They're making it look better than it is. Same thing pre-health offices do. It's the same thing Caribbean medical schools are doing. And I'm sure U.S. medical schools are maybe doing some similar things as well. But specifically in this case, what they will do is they will give you a pretest, right? They'll give you a diagnostic. If you want to think about it in MCAT terms and they'll say, oh, sorry, Sally, Sorry, Jimmy, your step one score isn't good enough. Here's some remediation steps. You have X amount of time to fix this, to retake this diagnostic test, to be able to sit for the real test. Now, if you don't sit for the test, then your score is not going to count against you. And so they can filter out students who they believe are not going to pass USMLE step one. And what it sounds like is this student had an issue, family issue, financial circumstances, right? Taking step one and preparing for step one cost money. Living situations cost money. Maybe there were some issues there. This student wasn't able to take step one in that designated time period. Now, this specific student didn't mention whether or not he or she, I don't know who this is, uh, I'll say they, whether or not they took that diagnostic and failed or passed. Let's assume that this student, because this is what students do to me sometimes, is they, they leave out the more negative stuff. Let's assume this student failed the diagnostic and they were given time to improve. But to improve, that would have taken more money to improve their study skills, their study resources, all of that stuff. 
to improve, they needed to stay on the island for a little bit longer, to go to wherever for a little bit longer, to continue working on their step one prep. Now, for whatever reason, this student wasn't able to, let's say, pass and or take their diagnostic or real thing in whatever window the school gave them. And the school said, sorry, you're out, right? It's like, if you want to think about it, it's, it's, it's like when I was in the military, you got a random notification one morning saying, hey, it's your time for a drug test. Go to this building, go pee in a cup. And you were given an hour, typically. I think that's what it was. And if you didn't go within that hour, they assumed something sketchy was going on, right? You had to go go drink a lot of fluid to water down your pee. You had to go collect someone else's pee, do whatever, and so my question potentially is, or my thought is potentially, this school said, look, you're not going to pass it. Something sketchy is going on. You, you, there, we just don't want to waste any more time on you. And that's unfortunate that the school gave up that easily. Now, obviously, this is just a one-sided conversation. I don't have the other side of the conversations to, to go with, but let's assume that's what happened, right? The school's like, you know what? We give every student this is set amount of time. We can't break that protocol for whatever circumstances are in your way. Sorry, we'll move on. Now, you have to remember that most Caribbean medical schools have a huge number of students going through every year, and they're working off of a model that gets more people into school so that they can graduate a certain percentage of them. The attrition rate for Caribbean medical schools is atrocious. It's atrocious. They accept a lot of students who have no business in medical school. The goal of getting into medical school, the goal of the pre-med process is to prove that you can handle getting through medical school. Now, this is where a big kind of misunderstanding comes with Caribbean medical schools. Your quality of education is completely dependent on you. You can put in the work, whether you're in the Caribbean or the U.S. or in Ireland or Australia, wherever you are going to school, the quality of that education is dependent on you. Your ability to study, it's all on you. The quality of education that you can get at a Caribbean school can be just as good as the quality of education that you can get here in the U.S. Where the difference comes and why we tell students, don't go to a Caribbean school, especially if dot, dot, dot. You haven't proven that you can get through a Caribbean school. Just because you got in doesn't mean you're going to get through. And so when a student says, I wasn't able to take step one within the given time period, that potentially tells me they didn't have the ability to do well on step one. And so getting back to this question of, can I get into U.S. medical school? Sure, that potential is there. There are things that you're going to have to do, basically erasing your whole history and going, okay, I'm starting at square one. What do I need to do right now to prove myself as a pre-med student? Obviously, I'm assuming you didn't prove yourself as a pre-med student to begin with or else you would have gone to U.S. school. Was that your GPA? Was that your MCAT score? Was that your extracurriculars? I don't know. Can you, from right now, focus on improving yourself as a pre-med student right now, forgetting everything else that's happened, and get yourself into a U.S. medical school? Sure. But 
you're also going to have to say, yes, I matriculated into a school before. And now you're going to have to talk about why you left that school. Why were you dismissed from that school? And you're going to have to overcome the negative perception that comes from that too. Did you just give up and you're using family and financial circumstances as an excuse? Did you fail and you're using family and financial circumstances as an excuse? There's going to be an even heightened level of doubt, right? That That's where admissions committees start. They doubt. <laughs> like, I, I doubt anyone here is going to get into medical school. Oh, good GPA. Okay, I have less doubt. Oh, good MCAT score. Okay, less doubt. Oh, great extracurriculars. I, I'm starting to I'm starting to believe, right? Let's come for an interview. Okay, I love you. you you're you're in. All right, you're gonna have to overcome even that much more doubt on there. <laughs> like they don't really doubt you, but you you know what I'm saying, right? You're gonna have to overcome much more doubt. I can't think of a better word than doubt, right? They are going to want to understand what you have been through, the struggles that you have had, how you've overcome them, and why those aren't going to be an issue again. They were already an issue once. How do we make it so they're not an issue again? That's the goal of getting into U.S. medical school, of of what you need to do to plot your path to get into U.S. medical school with another application. So yes, if you drop out of a Caribbean medical school, especially if you dropped out and weren't necessarily kicked out, then the chances of you getting to a U.S. medical school are better. But the question is, you didn't get into a U.S. medical school the first time, so what has changed? And it may take a lot longer than you want, but it's possible. So when we talk, right, when when the pre-health world, the advising world talks about don't go to a Caribbean medical school, it's not because of the quality of education. There are tons of amazing physicians out there who have gone to Caribbean medical schools. They have put in the work. The question is, have you put in the work to prove that you can get through the education? Because it's still hard. Just because they may not need an MCAT score, just because you get an acceptance, doesn't mean they truly believe that you are going to get through medical school. That's the harsh reality of Caribbean medical schools. They'll accept a lot of people. I've only, I only know one person personally that was ever rejected from a Caribbean medical school, and I had him on the podcast, Chad. He got into to a couple DU, uh, DU, DO schools after being rejected from a Caribbean medical school because he figured out how to study. He figured out how to prove to himself and to prove to U.S. medical schools that he could handle the curriculum. And now he's thriving in school. So that's what we talk about when we say don't go to a Caribbean medical school. Prove to yourself first that you can do well in medical school. And if you have to go to a Caribbean medical school because whatever struggles you had initially are just going to be too hard to overcome or take too long to overcome to get into U.S. medical school, then sure, maybe a Caribbean medical school is right for you. But it's a very individual decision. So getting back to this question, yes, you can get into U.S. medical school after dropping out of a Caribbean it's going to be very, very, very hard. You have to overcome all of those initial issues of why you didn't get into a U.S. school to begin with 
and you're going to have to overcome the the doubt that's in their their head about why you dropped out to begin with. So potentially going to the Caribbean Medical School, getting a letter, getting some some information from them, a letter of support saying, "Hey, like this student did well and and truly the reason we kicked her out or them out was because I'm I'm just giving everyone a a, <laughs> a, a female gender here. Uh, just because she got kicked out doesn't mean that um, she was a bad student. She she passed all her classes. She did well. It was just the step one window. She couldn't take step one in that time, and we had to let her go. And right, if you can get that sort of support from your school, great. My question would be if they would give you that sort of support. I think if you fought hard enough, you might be able to go back to that school as well. But that's a whole different conversation. So anyway, lots of random topics that I I really wanted to bring into this talk about Caribbean schools because I don't talk about Caribbean schools a ton. And and most of the conversation around Caribbean schools is very negative, but it doesn't have to be. Yes, the, the match rates are much less for Caribbean students. Yes, the attrition rate is atrocious for Caribbean schools. But if you go... And if you work your butt off, if you've proven that you can handle studying, that you can handle standardized tests with doing well enough on the MCAT to get into a, to uh, get into the Caribbean school and prove to yourself and and know that studying grades aren't going to be an issue moving forward, then it's a possibility to go there and do well and come out and do well. So with that said, I hope you have a great week. Don't forget to check out mapped M-A-P-P-D dot com for our pre-order special that will be ongoing i think prices are going up actually july 1st um, until we launch the actual product hopefully fall of 2020 so i hope you have a great week we'll see you next time here on the old pre-meds podcast This is MedEd Media.